Hey Sis, it's a weekly shakedown of the binary walls around us. Breaking it out and building a bridge. Checking our biases with empathy and humility and questioning the status quo. It's about building allyship that is intentional and confident. ...was created um, by survivors and, you know, they spoke of the voice, the lives that had been lost and we should not have lost those lives. Um, so they did not die in vain. We will keep their voices represented and we will ensure that this practice is banned in Canada. Welcome to another podcast episode of Hey Sis. Today, we're talking about Bill C-6, a bill sponsored by the Honourable Minister David Lametti and presented by Honourable Minister of Diversity, Inclusion and Youth, Bardish Chagger. Bill C-6 passed on its second reading on October 28th and is an act to amend the criminal code to ban conversion therapy once and for all across Canada. So today we are joined from Waterloo, Ontario, by the Honourable Minister of Diversity and Inclusion and Youth, Bardish Jagger. We are super excited to have you on our podcast. So welcome from Nova Scotia. It's a pleasure to be in Nova Scotia virtually. I can't wait till I can come in person. Uh, So in presenting uh, the second reading of Bill C-6, you said there should be no place for the destructive, harmful, and deadly practice of conversion therapy in Canada, and we wholeheartedly agree with you. Uh, The results of the second reading showed overwhelming support for Bill Bill C-6 to criminalize conversion therapy with only seven votes on the nay. Were you surprised? It was so good um, to see support across party lines. Um, This is not a partisan issue. Um, LGBTQ2 rights are human rights, and I believe in human rights for all, and as does our government under the leadership of Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. So I was really pleased to see so much support. It also tells me that there is still a shortage of information out there, uh, but conversion therapy does not belong in Canada, and we will do whatever we can to ensure that this destructive practice is banned. The legislation we've put forward is really strong legislation, and I really want to commend the people who have uh, come before us and thank them, uh, because it is their work that has laid the foundation for the work we do, and the people who have had the courage to share their stories uh, to ensure that this legislation was as strong as possible. We're happy to see it at committee um, so that we, they can do their important work, and we look forward to seeing it return to the House uh, in hopes of seeing it pass uh, quickly, swiftly, so that it can go to the Senate, um, and hopefully a quick passage there um, to see this law in Canada and conversion therapy. Is there a timeline approximately then on how that will, how that will flow? We need, the committee does its work. So we were able to get it uh, reintroduced into the House of Commons really quickly. Um, and then debate was able to collapse and we were able to have a vote. It's sent to committee. Once committee's done doing their work, they'll send it back. And I'll be working closely with the government house leader to see um, it be called for the debate and hopefully a quick vote. Hopefully. So keep doing what you're doing, everyone listening. Keep calling your MPs. Um, Keep holding the government to account so that we keep it moving as quickly as possible. Well, Isaac and I are both uh, volunteers with PFLAG Canada, and I know they have been a huge support of this bill. And the chapter leaders across Canada, coast to coast, are super excited about it as well. They have, and I really appreciated the letter that they were able to write uh, to myself, and I believe the Minister of Justice as well. So thank you uh, for having your voice heard and your position noted. So, yeah, so you made a comment there about uh, education, and during the second reading of this bill, the opposition leader, Aaron O'Toole, said that the Liberal Party is creating a situation that allows people 
who ask a question about this bill to be shamed into silence or canceled on social media in the age of cancel culture. Why do you think the opposition is teetering around semantics with this? Why the focus on cancel culture and not victims of conversion therapy? Uh, so I think that's my focus. And <laughs> it doesn't really matter what anyone else says. Um, that's going to remain my focus. And I think that's where people need to have these conversations. Because the more you get to know the individuals that have been impacted by conversion therapy, I don't want to see another generation um, just have the hole in themselves that uh, this destructive practice puts in place. Um, people should not have to question um, their self-worth. For me, they matter and they have a voice and I'm going to listen to it and I'm going to fight to ensure that it's represented. This legislation was created um, by individuals who have um, undergone the and this practice and have shared their experiences. To me, it was really powerful. And just you know, understanding that conversion therapy efforts are rooted um, in the premise that one sexual orientation, gender identity, and gender expression can and should be changed to a narrow ideal of what is considered natural or normal. Um, really, like, we want people to be their authentic selves. We want them to be able to contribute. We want individuals to realize their potential. And that's why this conversation at the time, especially of COVID, is so important because we're recognizing that we have systemic issues. Um, and what we want to do is build back even better and consciously inclusive. And that's why this legislation needs to pass. Um, and for me, I will not play partisan politics on this. I will not play politics with the lives of individuals. Um, so I'll continue keeping my door open. I think committees should do their work. And if we can improve the legislation, great. Uh, but what I can tell everyone is that this legislation was created um, by survivors. And, you know, they spoke of the voice, the lives that have been lost, and we should not have lost those lives. Um, so they did not die in vain. We will keep their voices represented, and we will ensure that this practice is banned in Canada. Thank you so much. You know, and I, I totally agree. Like, I couldn't agree more with you. Um, as a parent of a young um, trans child who transitioned when um, he was in elementary school, um, I think when you talk about the next generation coming up and it's about having these inclusive conversations and breaking out of people being uncomfortable, which leads to fear. Um, so we, like, we have Bill C-6 hopefully coming through. We've got Bill C-16, um, which is a human right act to prevent against discrimination based on gender expression, gender identity. How can these two bills now help bridge the gap in educating cisgender Canadians on gender identity and inclusion? So our government actually brought forward the capacity fund uh, for LGBTQ2 serving communities um, because it really is about by community for community. Um, and I think that's where that education will um, be made available and provided coast to coast to coast. But I think the one thing I've really gained is whether it's our history uh, with Indigenous peoples or the history of African Nova Scotians or Black Canadians in Canada, that history is not written um, by community for Canadians. And we need to make sure that it's informed. And I think that's where your question is really important to me. And the LGBTQ2 Secretariat is here to work to ensure that it is a real history and real education that is being provided um, so that we actually can build back consciously inclusive. Um, and I really do want to commend the parents and allies 
um, that have been so strong for individuals that are having to undergo uh, transition and really coming to terms with who they are as an individual. And that's why the conversion therapy legislation, the ban on conversion therapy legislation is so important because it doesn't criminalize conversations. What it is doing is saying, let's have safe, respectful conversations and let an individual explore who they are. We want people to have trust. We want them to have these conversations, but to tell an individual that they have to be a certain um, type of person or what is normal or natural in quotes is not appropriate. An individual needs to be able to explore. All individuals explore who they are, and that's what we'll continue to promote. And even just the misinformation in regards to um, banning conversion therapy and you know individuals choosing um, to transition. Like they don't go hand in hand. Every individual goes through their own journey. And what we want is for every person to be their true authentic selves. Um, and to know that if they are happy, that we will be better off as a society with that individual being able to realize their potential and saying that no one should be on the sidelines. Um, everyone should be able to define their idea of success and be their true selves. It's true. I, I know um, is it, that's so well said for, for my kiddo, you know, sitting in the background of a classroom and being erased for much of his elementary career because nobody was having these conversations that could help him figure out who he is and being too afraid to talk about it. We, I think we need to be able to get it into our elementary school classrooms. We need to start talking about gender identity um, and how it exists completely outside of sexual orientation. It's about who we are and our inner sense of self and remembering that we all have have a gender identity, not just trans and non-binary people, right? So. It's so true. And that's why, like, I remember I used to always say, like, I want to live in a world where people are treated like people because they're people, right? Like, that would just be so awesome. Um, we're not there yet. And I think there are a lot of concerns and um, anxieties that individuals have. And I think it's important that they also be able to express those, um, to be able to provide the spaces to provide, you know, answers. Um, and I think some people are intentionally ignorant, not cool. But people who are genuinely ignorant and wanting to learn and know more, I think it's important that we be able to provide that information because I'm also learning, right? Like, I don't know what I don't know, but luckily I have amazing people around myself. And then I also... Um, I'm able to, well, I'm very comfortable with being uncomfortable. So I will, you know, create forums and opportunities to be able to broaden my horizons. And I think each of us has a lot of learning to do. And I think, you know, Cynthia, your experience is one that I think other parents also get a lot of relief from hearing, right? That you probably had a lot of ups and downs, but at the same time, knowing that there was love for each other and that you wanted your child to be happy, which makes you happy, was what's really allowed, you know, your child to be their true authentic self. And so, like, I really do commend you for being that parent because I know it must have been tough, um, but you're really strong. Thank you. Thank you so much. That means the world, really. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just have one final question here because I'm a, uh, I myself, I'm a trans person. Um, so I'm just curious what you would say to younger Canadians who are considering coming out as LGBTQ and are fear fearful that they may not be supported by their families or in schools. I think what I would say is, I don't know what you're going through personally, um, but I want you to know that you have a government and you have a minister that is here to listen and learn and support. Um, and we'll do whatever we can to make it just a little bit easier. 
but there are so many people who love you. And we're going to ensure that organizations that provide you support have the capacity to do it because you should not have to be alone during this time and you're not alone. And I know it might be hard to ask for help, but it's okay to ask for help. And you might not always be okay, but it's okay not to be okay. Um, but you've got a lot of people who love you. So please know that you can ask for help and we will get through this together. And you've got amazing inspirational people like Isaac uh, to look up to. And Isaac, you know, is able to share their story. And it's important that we be able to create those spaces to have those conversations. So explore who you are, get to know who you are, ask those questions. Um, because not only will that strengthen you, it will strengthen all those around you. And we want you to be your true authentic selves. You're perfect the way you are. Love that. I know that's very sweet. <laughs> okay, well, we have, I know we only have a couple seconds left. So we're going to do this quick sort of 30 seconds under the microscope, the real Bardish. Um, so. I think you got the real Bardish. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, you're giving us your true self right now, and I'm like feeling mm -hmm. emotional about it. <laughs> you know, Isaac, I just say, and I know we don't have a lot of time, but like, I really think it is about people being able to share their stories and being, you know, kind of what's gone through. And it must be so isolating and so tough because we also have these perceptions about what other people think about us. And it's not exactly the same. Well, it's not at all the same. But, you know, I used to love politics, but I would never talk at school about the fact that I love politics because it wasn't cool in him, right? Mm -hmm. So you have this sense of wanting to belong and we just can't be proud to be who we are. And I think that's where each individual defines your success. And I think as a society, we have to be happy when people are happy and like whatever gives them happiness. And I think that's the conversations we also have to have is not necessarily about just defining little bits and pieces, just allowing each individual to enjoy doing what they do, right? And we do that with kids. If a kid eats dirt, we're like, ew, the kid ate dirt, but you do let them just eat dirt for a minute, right? Like, and you get them through that phase. And I think that's where we just need to be, I think a little bit um, more honest with ourselves because everyone's going through something. Um, and we will get there. Sorry, to your 30 seconds. Thank you for that. Um, favorite dish? I love my mom's cooking. My mom makes like real food, authentic food, still grinds her spices and so forth. So yeah, anything my mom makes. Okay, is there a favorite one within there? Um, she has these like dried chickpeas, like a China masala mm -hmm. with rice. Love. Sounds good. Um, and what's your favorite way to relax after a long day of work? Chilling with friends, now virtually. Are you reading? Do you even have time? Are you reading anything now, or do you have a favorite book you want to let us know? My favorite book is The Giving Tree by Shel Silverstein. Um, it's a kid's book. I, I like, I'm more of like a paper reader or, you know, policies and that kind of stuff. I read laws because uh, I'm cool like that, but I don't usually have a book on the go. Fair enough. Uh, gender expression, because we're always trying to break down, you know, barriers and create education. So where would you say you lay on the spectrum when it comes to gender expression? Would you say like when you're not in your business, uh, your parliamentary politician side and you're kicking it back on the weekend, how would you present yourself to the world? Just as me. <laughs> That's where I would leave it. Yeah. I, I think one thing that I really commend the prime minister on is that we've always been able to be our true authentic selves. We've always been reminded never to forget where we come from and to like, do our work openly and honestly and transparently. I think there is uh, stereotypes that come with elected officials, um, but we get to express ourselves as we are all the time.
Awesome. That's amazing. Thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, thank you for your time. Keep well and safe, everyone. Okay. <laughs> you too as well. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. While the primary focus of this podcast is to discuss LGBTQ plus issues residing within Canada, and most importantly, Atlantic Canada, it is also important to take the time to celebrate and support strides for inclusion outside of our border. As we all know, the United States has been a global focus this year, with many organizations taking a very public stance on extremely important topics such as systematic racism, poverty, LGBTQ rights, and much, much more. With the most recent election results being finalized, it is clear that while 2020 has been an even tougher year for marginalized communities on top of the ongoing pandemic, we can all at least celebrate all the amazing BIPOC and LGBTQ plus political representation that we now have. Cynthia and I want to send her full support and congratulate the following individuals. While we anticipate this list to grow, these are just some of the many names of the new openly LGBTQ plus identifying state officials. First off, the very first transgender person to be elected into office in U.S. history is Sarah McBride in Delaware. Then we have Stephanie Byers, who is the first transgender person to be elected in the office into Kansas. Maureen Turner, who is the first non-binary and first Muslim person in U.S. history to be elected into Oklahoma. We have Taylor Smalls, who is the first transgender person to be elected in Vermont. We have Kim Jackson, who is the very first LGBTQ plus person to be elected in Georgia. We have Chevron Jones, who is the first LGBTQ plus person to be elected into Florida. We have Michelle Rayner Goolsby, I think I'm saying that right, who is the first female black LGBTQ plus person to be elected into Florida. We have Jabari Brisport, who is the first LGBTQ plus person of color to be elected in New York. We have Jessica Benham, who is the first bisexual, first autistic, and first openly queer woman to be elected in Pennsylvania. We have Tiara Mack who is the first LGBTQ plus black senator in Rhode Island. We have David Ortiz, who is the first bisexual in the U.S. General Assembly in Colorado. We have Brittany Barreras and Roger Montoya, who are both the first LGBTQ plus senators in New Mexico. And finally, we have Susan Eggman, who is the very first LGBTQ plus Latinx person in California. I'd also like to make a special note that Nevada is the very first state to protect same-sex marriage in its constitution. Well, that's all the time we have today, folks. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Hey Sis. If you have any questions you want to ask or want to join in on the conversation, email us at connect at simplygoodform.com. Thank you all, and remember, inclusion matters.